This is a Momentum Media production. Investing insights with Right Property Group. Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. That's what it's all about, financial security. Phil Tarrant, Steve Waters, Victor Kumar. Investing insights with Right Property Group. It's what we do. It's what these guys do, at least. I'm just a hack journalist on the airwaves who... I'm surprised they haven't locked me up and uh, banned me yet, but uh, for some reason they keep letting me on. Gents, how you going? I'm going well, mate. That was a that was a different introduction. I was waiting for you to say that you're the the Julia Assan or whatever his name is of Australian journalism and all things finance, like <laughs> skulking around in Ecuadorian embassies, not seeing the light of day for five years, but still fathering ten kids. Well, I don't know. I wasn't going that direction, but <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> but put that in the metaphor of property, buying property rather than kids, right? You know? <laughs> How about the, the brains of this outfit, Victor Kumar, locked up? You well? I'm well, I'm well. Uh, you know, sitting in my home office and um, the, the big thing I'm missing when we do this podcast is the free coffees uh, that you bring in. Uh, I heard the, Nothing in life is um, free, Victor. Uh, I know that, but you know, at, least, at least I could chew a curry and say that it was free. No, this is this is true, and you know what? Um, maybe, maybe next month we can do this back in person if you if you gents awesome. are double jab because uh, uh, in New South Wales at least we now know there is this magical date which is somewhere in the middle of uh, October when uh, the state should hit this seventy percent plus vaccination rate, which is going to allow give confidence to uh, the state government to to get things back to business. So. Um, Maybe in person after a hiatus of what would be four or five months, I would imagine, Vic. Mm-hmm. Crazy it's been a long stuff. time. It's been yeah, a long time. It's, uh, I'm not sure if we'll remember how to do it in person. Yeah, maybe. Well, I'm still doing it in person. I'm still sitting here behind a microphone. So, well, well we, have, you know, we all are, just yeah, not at your place. Not at our joint. Yeah. But, uh, but who would have thought that property markets in that sort of four or five months that we've been uh, locked up and away from each other is rising by about two to 3% per annum? Happy days. And it's it's interesting. We we sort of flagged this if you look and listen to the earlier podcast that the market will still have its own course. You know, the the, um, types of properties being bought may may change. The areas that would come into highlight may change, but the market is still going to roll ahead uh, because there's still plenty of money flowing around. There's the interest rates are fairly low. And is that uh, we now, because we can't travel, have got a lot of disposable income. At, at our behest and this is you watch as forward prediction you watch the new year's uh, resolution factor kick in as well because you'll have two things mobility as well as the new year's resolution come in and you're likely to have another surge of growth in most areas yeah and look what we know now and at a federal level uh, the federal government has said australia get to this rate and we'll open up and moving forward the likelihood of border lockdowns uh, and other lockdowns should be uh, minimised or mitigated a lot. There may still be isolated lockdowns, but it's not going to be at a, at a state level, at least, or a nationwide level. So, you know, this magic day we have in New South Wales and all the other states have variations of it. We know that we're going to be having a life after COVID as living effectively with COVID and you only need to look towards the US or or the UK. And I'm chatting with a lot of people on, on both sides Uh and they're going, COVID what? Like we've just gone straight back to how it was and we're not really, nothing's really changed that much. So we will get there. So now we know, Vic, that we can start thinking about what, what the end of COVID looks like or what COVID is going to look like behind us. And 
as we merge out of this into this date in October, this is a, a podcast where we talk about property. So we'll frame our, our discussion around that. But um, Australia is an economy driven by property. And we always have been and we always will be. And that's one of the reasons why if you're an effective property investor and, and listening to this podcast, I would like to think that um, uh, you're looking to shape your financial future through effectively playing that game that is property. So today, the discussion, and, and be wide-reaching, we'll keep it pretty pretty organic, guys, because I'm quite uh, keen on, on getting your insights on this. You know, Let's start planning now. We can actually start planning what life looks like after COVID-19. We can start looking at properties again. We're going to yeah. start getting an understanding of what the inverted commas spring selling season is going to look like, which has just been pushed sort of forward a couple of months. I don't think there's going to be Christmas holidays for most people. I reckon we're going to be working through it. I reckon people are going to be out there buying property. It's going to get hot. And however, we might get some equilibrium in the market. But Steve, you know, as we emerge out of sort of COVID-19 into this brave new world, it'd be remiss of us not to chat about it. Australia's security environment has changed rapidly. Uh, over the last sort of five to six years. Uh, and I don't want this to be a, a, a lesson in geopolitics, um, but Australia is in a contested part of the world and has its challenges to its north uh, with um, sort of great power competition with China and the sort of China and the US are sort of rattling their sabres with each other. There may be a flashpoint uh, and it will be with Taiwan that will lead to kinetic conflict, who knows. But I'll tell you what, right now there is grey zone conflict happening as we speak, whether it's cyber or other skullduggery, economic coercion in the Indo-Pacific. You only need to look at um, uh, some of the island nations uh, of the Pacific and the influence of China and and sort of ponying up aid dollars to uh, garner support. It's happening as we speak. So get used to this environment and it's going to be something which will dominate our lives for the rest of um, them. However, I I reckon I'll be living a few years uh, longer than you guys, but uh, Get used to this environment. Now, this is a property podcast, but all of this sort of wraps yeah, together. Yeah, I thought this was a Defence Connect podcast. I didn't know no, which no, one no. I was on. All this wraps in together. So uh, for those of you who aren't aware, um, uh, a formative new alliance, well, expansion of an existing alliance, uh, AUKUS, which is Australia, UK and US, have got together and said, hey, we're all in this together. Uh, let's kick off with uh, Australia. You can have some nuclear submarines. Big deal, big news, and it's been over the whole the airways. But what does this mean for Australia, and what does it therefore mean for the Australian economy, which is powered by property? Steve, you must have heard this stuff and gone, "Wow, this is pretty interesting stuff." I wonder what all this means. And like me, uh, you probably go, "Oh, is that going to devalue Australian property, or is that going to expand it all, <laughs> or even put greater value to Australian property?" I mean, what do it- you think, mate? What, what's your thoughts? Look, I think it's a big deal is mm. what I do think. However, it is one component in the pie of a hundred different other components of which probably one of the largest ones is COVID, which we'll get to in a minute mm. and how that'll affect all the roadmap moving forward, how it'll affect prices in the economy. But what's happening with, call it as it is, China yeah. and the skull, what do you call it? Skullduggery. It is skullduggery. That's been It's now at the forefront, but it's been happening for probably a decade. It's just amplified over the last 12 to months to two years or thereabouts, Mm. it will have an effect. Their largest developer who builds unit apartments over there is on the brink of collapse, the Chinese government. see how big its interest repayments are just coming up, I think. It's like something billions of dollars. Yeah, it's huge. But the government is also at at this point, the Chinese government is is saying, well, we're not going to bail you out. Mm. And I wouldn't even give any commentary around that because I don't know much about it to give any reference. But it will have an effect, and the way it'll have an effect is on the top line is through consumer confidence from the Chinese 
money all the way throughout economies of the world, the lending, as you say, the interest repayments, it's all got to get to somewhere. Uh, their consumption of iron ore or steel, therefore iron ore. There will be, the tentacles will reach far and wide. It's just how much of a grip it will have upon worldwide economies and more, you know, more reflective to ours is yet to be seen. But it is a big deal. It's a huge deal. You know, the Chinese government is, is always about growth, 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 growth. Mm. You know, that, that's their mantra to, to be in power. We will look after you. Yeah, and, and China's keeping an eye on itself. And and China, you know, the best outcome for everyone is a, a healthy trading relationship with everyone inside the Indo-Pacific, including Australia and China. They're a, a huge gateway for our raw resources. They're a big trading partner of Australia. Everyone wants a positive and capable relationship with China. That That is in everyone's best interest. And that there is the real politic that we will drive towards that, and that should be front and centre. However, there is... Uh, some underlying uh, security challenges. Uh, well, there are underlying security challenges, but we also have, you know, our, our Western friends being WA, who you know are very reliant upon the Chinese economy mm. uh, and the government for clear reasons. And yeah, they've just given a record. Was it nine billion dollar surplus or something for the state budget yeah. or thereabouts? Yeah. Um, they're you know, doing okay, and and, and yeah. property's firing out there right now. But well, you no, know. and and you wonder why? Yeah, you know, the state premier is saying, "Well, we've got an iron curtain. We don't want any of you east siders over us, yes, and therefore hampering production of iron ore and everything that goes along with it." So it's it's very interwoven, um, but it's definitely one yeah one piece of the puzzle. But clearly, the the biggest piece that we have at the moment is COVID and that roadmap out. Now, you mentioned something earlier on around. Uh, the US and the UK, they're saying, well, you know, what COVID? We're, we're out, we're living. Yep. It's just, you know, we're back to normal to a degree. Cast your memory back some, let's call it six months ago, eight months ago, and New South Wales, well, maybe all of Australia, excluding Victoria, were in that position. Mm. It was almost like we, we hadn't experienced it. It was life, yeah, we had a blip. We, and I say this quite generally because obviously it's very serious. But we got over it and then we went hard. The, the economy went hard. Great jobs growth numbers, maybe even a little bit of wage growth, a little bit of inflation. Importantly, consumer confidence was at record highs in, in the most recent history. And we saw those benefits flow through the economy. And then it happened. Then someone flicked the switch and here we are today. But as we get that roadmap out, I would suggest that we will quite get to that point in time again where there is definitely an element of people are over the lockdowns, clearly, but what hasn't changed is intent. Now, that's not necessarily uh, just around property. It's around everything. As Vic mentioned it earlier, people have somewhat got war chests now or their disposable income has increased. Yes, there's been hours lost, but people are going to have as I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, there is going to be an element of a revenge spend throughout entire sectors. Yeah. Entire sectors of the economy, of which I believe property will be one. Now, does that mean that the rate of growth will be what it was six to eight months ago? Not sure, but I see it as being positive. Well, one thing we, and to your point, Steve, six months ago, um, absolutely things were relatively back to normal. The biggest difference between then and now, and as we sort of uh, embark on this new roadmap coming out of COVID, is that then there was no COVID. As mm. we come out of this time, it's an acceptance that we're going to be living with COVID. It's going to be in the community, hence the reason why the mantra has been about getting vaccinated. Because if you are vaccinated, the likelihood of hospitalisation is a lot lower, et cetera, et cetera. We, no, we don't need to go into that. So 
It's a very different dynamic. However, to Vic's point, there's this pent-up frustration, pent-up demand to get out there and get stuff done. Uh, a lot of the commentary that I'm hearing, people I listen to in property, uh, Victor, is that not a lot of stock on the market right now. Everyone's waiting when there is this starter pistol gets fired and Australia emerges out of COVID-19. Let's not get into the state-based border closures and stuff. Maybe we can touch on that later on. It doesn't really matter for the purpose of this. How much activity is going to be in the market? Is there going to be a glut of properties coming on to the market? And therefore, that's going to give some sense of equilibrium to this rampant price growth that we've been witnessing over the last six to nine months. Look, uh, there definitely will be a, a strong increase in the number of properties coming up. Whether it's a glut or not, I don't think so. Uh, and the reason being that just as there are more properties that will that'll come on the market, because of increased mobility, buyers that were sit, are forced to sit on the sidelines will be able to jump back in uh, and physically inspect these properties, uh, move around, and actually look at different areas. So the uptake will be uh, balanced out by the number of properties coming on the market. What will change, what most likely will change, is the frenzied buying of a property hitting the market today and sold in the afternoon uh, in in quite a few areas. Uh, It may be that it may last a couple of days because people are able to go through there a little bit more properties. through. And and equally importantly, I think the FOMO effect that people are having, uh, the scarcity effect that they're experiencing right now may not be there. So there'll be a more sustained growth. Certainly, there'll be less growth in the sense that the growth patterns will likely flatten out a bit, but you'll still see very strong growth going into next year. And for the immediate future, things might need to change diabolically uh, for the market to actually slow down, in my opinion. And the things that likely would slow the market down is changes in lending uh, as such. So as we're moving from you know potential lockdown in, in all states to relative freedom, in terms of movement, and, and let's say the borders were all right open, right up, it will be more business as normal, business as usual. However, I think the focus of a lot of people are now changing. Uh, I was talking to uh, one of my clients, he's a plumber, a uh, big shout out to you all. He was mentioning that because of his uh, of the forced lockdown that he had for a month, he could not do anything. And said he, he realized that he needs to have, apart from his mainstay of income being his business, he needed to have other fallbacks because he can't control his income derivation was being controlled by the state lockdown as such. So by having property or other income producing assets in parallel, that would help people to actually feel a lot more secure. One of the things we, as we've gone from non-COVID to COVID environment, what we found is that there is no surety in terms of income unless you've got income-producing assets. That's not the given. So job security, where we work, how we work, that's all sort of gone out the window. And it's brought the focus right back into, I need to do something for my ancillary uh, income. I need to do something for my uh, retirement as such. Uh, so that if a scenario like this does evolve again, whether it is COVID or whether it is just simple employment uh, changes, that, that we are not left out in dark. I think the interesting thing is, and you said, you mentioned, or you touched on it earlier in that piece there, was around the intent 
mobility. I see it as there are three cohorts in the buying space. There are those that want to buy. There are those that have an element of trepidation. And then there are those that are priced out due to affordability. Now, the affordability piece may not change at all. You might have the intent, but if you're priced out, you're priced out. So you need to explore other areas or you become, or you either stay as a renter or you become a rent vest, whatever it looks like to you. Those that have the trepidation are really around, is the market too big? You know, is it too vague? Have we seen too much growth? Will it go sideways? Will it contract? Or that maybe they just don't believe in in real estate uh, as an investment vehicle. And then those that want to buy, but they haven't had the ability to because of that lack of mobility, or it might also be a combination of lack of hours during the past lockdown. So that'll be a 12-week, six-month turnaround before they may reach that serviceability sort of capacities again to re-enter the market. So it's almost as we roll out of this or we deploy the roadmap and then fast forward four to six months after that, I I can actually see there being sort of a a wave effect in terms of the value of property throughout certain areas being that the roadmap out will start to see it do well. Then it'll just sort of shallow off a little bit as more stock comes on market and that initial flurry is gone. Then as you see that element of people that didn't have the serviceability but now do because they're back at work full hours, they'll re-enter the market again and put pressure in there. But let's not take away let's not take away the fact that a lot of these areas or these markets are undersupplied to begin with, not just from a purchasing point of view, but from a rental point of view. We've got Queensland, Brisbane region area, very, very skinny in terms of their vacancy rate. Perth, very skinny. Adelaide, very skinny. ACT, skinny. And even to Sydney, greater region. Yeah, that's now, I think I saw it was 2.4% vacancy rate. So we've seen that come down over the last six months, and that's not going away anytime soon. And then the big question is, if the roadmap is successful, and even if it is internationally successful, will we see a volume of immigration into the country? Mm. And if we see a volume of immigration into the country, traditionally they're going to go to Sydney and Melbourne and it probably helped Melbourne a lot in terms of their vacancy rate, which is you know still above 3%. Sydney will feel the squeeze. Then potentially you'll see the exodus from Sydney to the coastal region, still commutable, or into Brisbane again. And side note, Brisbane had... You know, those large numbers in terms of intrastate migration that were released last week or the week before. So there's no immediate fix to the supply or the demand and supply equation. And there's no real immediate fix to warrant a leveling of rental growth in a lot of areas. And, you know, to be fair, different property types. And then you've got the value proposition as well, which is around that affordability argument. And we're seeing we're seeing that narrative. You know, start, start to get, again, now to be fair, that narrative happens probably every six months, has had for 21 years that I've been doing this. It's always an argument at some point in time, but it's something that we all have to deal with. Saying that the unaffordable scenario has has reared its ugly head again changes nothing. It is what it is, dare I say it, and there's never a quick fix to it. So watch that space as well. Yeah, speaking about affordability, Steve, if you recall, um, we were doing a renovation on one of the properties in Guildford. And uh, one of our things that we do is we, when we lift the carpet, often we find newspapers underneath. And, and 
This was a newspaper article for back, if I recall correctly, back 1973. Mm-hmm. And guess what the topic was, right? Yeah. It was affordability. affordability. Yeah, even yeah. way back then. It's it's always there. It's always there. And the interesting thing, I don't know if anybody else saw it or heard about it, Phil, uh, the RBA, throw, well, I'll call it a throwaway line around yeah, the, the tax system favouring or encouraging property price growth as well. So watch that space as well over the next you know, couple of years. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting point, Stephen. You know, we're talking about the positivities of this market and how it's great to be a property investor because you should be experience capital growth at the moment, challenges getting into the market, but markets don't stay as they are forever. One thing you can back and, and bet on is the fact that it's going to go in a different direction at a point in time, and that is down. And there's a lot of factors which may prompt that or precipitate that. And one of them is um, comments like that around changes to tax law for property investors. We've seen it happen in New Zealand where they've said, well, you can't claim uh, your mortgage payments as a a taxable item now. Like that completely changes the rules for operating as a property investor. Now they've got a left-leaning government there and no doubt that was um, uh, part of their stimulus. I think Auckland property prices like jumped up 30% a year or something. It was out of control. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, we have a federal election happening uh, next year. We know that. We've now the uh, Reserve Bank sort of saying, hey, mm, property price growth is benefit from a, a positive tax system for property investors. We know that. We saw prior to this current lockdown, uh, there was huge um, growth in, um, uh, well, the unemployment rate dropped considerably. We know that. There wasn't a lot of wage growth, um, but there was already hinting towards um, doing something with inflation to try and sort of ratcheting that up as well, which would slow down property markets. So there's a whole bunch of things that which could put the brakes on this market. Lending is is definitely one of them as well. Um, you know, the banks uh, relaxed a little bit around um, lending criteria. That can be changed uh, in a heartbeat. So there's a lot of factors that will put the brakes on the market. And at some point in time, there'll be some intervention from a government regulator or likewise to try and slow this market down. It's just a matter of when. It, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's what day is it because it will happen. And you, it, what you rightly mentioned a minute ago too, that you know, at one point in time in the future, we will see the market go sideways and contract. Yep. Like it happens. We know that property growth is never year in, year out. It's not a lineal pattern where you're going to get your 6% or 7% every year compound growth. It doesn't work that way. The trajectory over time is up but we're going to have periods of time where we're going to do really, really well. And then there are going to be times where we're going to give a little bit back or even go sideways for a period of time. Which we did That's sort of part two, three parcel. years ago, right? Like there was this period of, yeah. you know, very lackluster. Well, yeah, and for whatever the reason was that activated, whatever the trigger point was, in that mm. case, it was the uh, the APRA handbrake, which, by the way, is why we are where we are today, uh, was because of that reason, part thereof. But it will happen. So always through probably every podcast we've ever done, we've always said, look after the cash flow and the cash flow will look after you. It's for not necessarily the nows, it's for the thens because it will get to that point in time. And it's always around cash flow. I guess one of the one of the things that beginning investors get into a sense of false economy is saying that, you know, I will sit uh, because it's too frenzied uh, and I'll jump back in when the market tanks. Often when the market tanks, it's around finance and the availability of credit in that sense. So it's harder to get in on those markets. And, and if you took the approach of uh, you're not after 
you know, your quick wins, you're after a longer, more sedate journey in terms of property investing, you know, you need to get into the market as soon as it is financially viable for you without, of course, you know, getting into the position where, you know, you're just paying, paying a top dollar to get into the market and not doing your sums to say, okay, if the rates do go up, am I able to afford this, these properties? Yeah, you can guarantee it's going to happen though. The argument, mm. the argument and the headlines will be that that case at all. But I think coming back to the, I think it was a question that you had early on, Phil, you know, will the roadmap out of COVID and learning to live with COVID have an effect on our asset class, uh, both for the short and medium terms? Absolutely. It, it has to. Now, it could be as minor as the market continues on its merry way as it does today. You know, that's a great result. More probable is you'll see more buyers in the market. And I think as Victor mentioned earlier on, you're going to see more stock on market as well. But for every uh, element or percentage point of extra stock on market, I think you're going to see twice as many buyers in the market. So the point will be mute. There'll mm. be a, it'll be a zero effect. Best case. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, I, I think one of the <laughs> he's choking on that bit of news. It's like, yeah, what does that do to the value of my well, one, of the, one of the things, um, <laughs> one of the dynamics, I think, as we emerge out of COVID, and we, we've been seeing this anyway, is that the geographic focus for a lot of investors has changed. There's been this mantra that you should only invest in capital cities. Uh, well, smart investors only invest in capital cities. They don't necessarily look at the regional locations. Now, I think what COVID has done is, is fundamentally changed the way in which Australians will work into the future. And by that, I mean largely white-collar workers. Um, it's a little bit more difficult for blue collars and it's blue and white, you know. I don't really like the delineation, but that's pretty much how it works. So white-collar workers, pretty much as long as you've got an internet connection and a computer, you can pretty much do your job. So the geographic focus for investors has changed and we've seen the emergence of some of these regional locations, just frenzies off the chart to get a place in there. How are you guys sort of shaping your investment decision clients on that basis, um, have you broadened your scope? Have you changed your rhetoric or mantra or doctrine around investing outside of capital cities, Steve? It always has. You know, we talk about it from a top line point of view, same as you know, commercial. We we don't talk about that you know, in large quantities for many a reason, of which one of them is that in, in relation to the regional piece, mm. is not all regional areas. And by regional, well, we let's be careful that we're not talking about sort of. Burke, right? We're talking about mainly along the coastlines of the east coast of, of Australia is pretty much what we're talking regional within 20, 30 kilometres of, oh, there is some there's some sort of proper regional out at, uh, if you go west from Sydney, for example, but the coastal strip is where a lot of the attention is getting placed right now. Yeah. And we've always done them. Mm. Yeah. Sporadically, you know, there's always a time to enter those in our belief anyway. COVID has amplified some of those areas for sure. And it's maybe even brought forward their cycle, if you will, but we've always we've always invested there, but and we've never been a subscriber to you know you've got to invest within the first and second ring of CBDs because that's where all the smart people are. We've never subscribed. In fact, we've been the opposite of that, you know, to debunk that myth, so to speak. But it also comes down to what you can afford. If you want you know Kirribilli, well, you've got to afford it. And you're not going to wait for 27 years to save up a deposit to be able to enter that market. So in the meantime, where can you go that's affordable to you and have your money work for you if property happens to be your asset class? And if that means some of those great coastal regions, 
you know, to name a few, you know, Geelong as an example of Victoria or the surf coast further south or the south coast of Sydney and the central coast of, of uh, Sydney, which have done extremely well, sunny coast, gold coast, you know, I mean, and it goes on and on and on. Yeah, this has definitely been a line in the sand and it's the hybrid approach to working. But as you rightly put, it's not for everybody. It can't physically be for everybody. It's going to be that sort of that white collar approach unless you pack up bags and, you know, move to an area and have the jobs ready for you that's not so and much. And by the way, those same jobs, that well, a lot of the same jobs that exist in the city also exist in these regional areas. Um, Correct. For, yeah. for more sort of... Um, I don't like a blue collar type work. You know, there is still right. there is still because that that is the that is the the backbone of of localized all economies are these these workers that do those type of work. So they exist Absolutely. in other in other locations, maybe not in the same numbers, but if you want to support your point. whole company, that's the point. So you know, if if you've you know, I'm just using a sample size of one hundred thousand of, of of those people, and you go to a strong regional area. And 100,000 people move there, is, is there enough work for the 100,000 people that have just moved there? Population growth is, is very important, but it's not the only piece of the pie. You need jobs. Yeah. That's right. The driver is always employment in that sense, right? So right. if you look at it from, from a fundamentals point of view, we've always invested in and around employment nodes, um, and, and therefore that defines the CBD for that area in that sense, right? Uh, and what's changed due to COVID is the amount of money available in a lot of these employment notes. So you talk about Central Coast, South Coast. So if the white collar workers are moving out into that area, they're bringing in a higher salary and a higher expectation of hospitality services, so cafes, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and that naturally lifts an already um, buoyant area, area are much, much higher in terms of price growth uh, because now it's the affordability factor of someone that's coming in with a higher salary into the area. Uh, but if you take that away, any areas that we've been investing in, we've still looked at it from a viewpoint that there needs to be an abundance of employment around. There needs to be an abundance of um, different sectors of employment. So not just, you know, dependent on just a mining company or not just depending on just one uh, stream of uh, employment has to have multiple employment uh, opportunities and still has to be you know reasonable lifestyle aspects in those areas so as we sort of come out of uh, uh, this lockdown into what should be an environment which we don't go into lockdowns again we can get rid of that part of the discussion lexicon and maybe you know, some, some um, uh, restricted sort of local areas. Um, so there is going to be this sense of what the new normal looks like. Have we sort of seen, do you think, as a, a result of COVID, change in habits and behaviours? Um, prior to COVID, we're talking about how, you know, we have a, a, a large growing migrant base in Australia who come from other parts of the world to, to call Australia home. The way they, they like living is these large sort of towers, um, apartment living, all that sort of stuff, which is quite normal from um, their, their original place of origin. Is there a two-speed market now? Do you think it's going to continue to the future between houses and units? Is that just completely got even further apart now, Steve? I Look, I think this cycle most most definitely. And there was a certain driver of a lot of those markets in the unit sphere as well, being yeah. the, you know, the overseas buyer, the Chinese buyer and, and the like. Yeah. But I think there'll be, over time, 
it'll be a more balanced or a, a rebalancing effect because there'll be a big, big difference between if it continues on its current trend, there's going to be a massive disconnect in terms of value between the attached and the detached. And at one point or another, the commercial overlay, if you will, of the attached with the higher yield will become attractive to the investor. And as a result of that, if the higher the yield, the more the yeah, the investor will, will get in on that because they'll see it as a value proposition as long as there are people to live in them. Yeah. Mm. And, that, and that's the sort of the big question. And that will happen around when those international borders open up. Will people want to come to Australia? Absolutely. Will the government encourage people to come to Australia? I think the answer to that is yes. I think our, our immigration numbers are as low as 1946 uh, at the moment, which you know, was just after the war, uh, and then there was a massive encouragement for immigration. I believe we'll get back to that. I don't think it'll be a turn the, flick the switch and it'll just happen. It'll be a snowballing effect over the next year or two or three or four or five and we'll get somewhere back to those numbers. Well, the reality is, is that we need we need people here to, to well, we need them. Get the jobs that we have and, you know, to continue to grow as a nation. We, we, we need this. Um, well, you need it. This you need injection it to the economy. Of, of, yeah, Correct. you know, it's critical to the actual economy. So, you know, and, and how and one of the things you must have um, seen, and I'm quite keen, um, Victor, on uh, your client base, how many, I think the numbers now is that one in, to 40% of Australia now are, are migrants. Um, mm. You know, well, it's 40% of like, you know, someone's parents, one of them is from somewhere else other than uh, Australia. And, and, you know, when people think about migration, the number one country where we still get most of our migrants is the UK. They're, they're coming here in droves, right? New Zealand's pretty popular as well. So it is a, a rich cultural uh, melting pot here in Australia. And it's been one of the things that's really driven us as a nation. Do you see a lot of migrants, though, Vic, sort of, you know, catching the property bug when they arrive in Australia and go, hang on a second, this is this is how you make money in Australia. Yes. You actually get into property. Is that, is that a sort of big part of your client base? Look, uh, it is it is a strong part of client base for, and it's a strong investor base in Australia to mm. begin with. Right now, um, uh, if you if you look at the mechanics of that, someone that's coming in from a developing world and and coming here, a developing country coming here. They're coming in to create a better life for themselves and for their kids. So they are looking at all options, whether they go into business, whether they go into really good employment, and equally importantly, what are they going to do with their money and create the wealth, right? So therefore, property seems to be the, the thing to reset to uh, because it's something that's tangible, something that might not have been as readily available to them back home and having called Australia home. Uh, this is now their chance to actually build up um, their own empire of properties, whether it's one, two, ten, it's, it's tiered back to what they want to achieve. And it's, it's a flowing effect, right? But one of the things that uh, is, is a common trend, and we see that in many countries, is that the initial migrants that come in and their first generation are very heavy in investing in properties. But then they become middle middle income earners, middle, middle in terms of wealth, they become too comfortable, right? And the, the, the um, flash in the pan, the newness dries off and you see the generational factor coming in where less and less people start investing, right? Now, that's probably the main reason why you've got this uh, abnormality between 
more migrant investors, uh, whether it's first or second generation migrations, migrants, uh, and uh, people that have been in Australia for generations. That's the biggest difference and biggest driver. I think yeah. there's another element there, and that is uh, technology as well. It's you know, as we've talked about in the in the past, technology has enabled people uh, to educate, yes. hopefully with the right education, and it's given the ability for everybody to be entrepreneurial. I mean, you even go back to our, and I've said this before, go back to our federal election. You know, the reason it went the way it went is because people's entrepreneurial spirit was challenged and they didn't like it. And that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a worldwide phenomenon. And I think it'll continue. You know, the possibility is there. And once people, once people discover possibility, you know, it's all forward for them. And the ability now there is to do so. Thanks yeah, to the, the barriers have been removed quite a lot, Steve, for people. Correctly. To, you know, um, uh, information is now not in the hands of a few, it's in the hands of many. Um, podcast like most. this is, is yeah, yeah. meant most. Um, there, there is really nothing stopping you from grabbing all this information out there and working out what you can do with it and use it, how you can use it to to achieve what you want to achieve. And, you know, this is a property show, so uh, a lot of people uh, chat about property. And, Victor, look, you know, that you're a great migrant story. I've read your book. I've really enjoyed it. Um, but you're very much a product of, of a migrant coming to Australia and catching the property bug. Um, That's right. And, That's right. And, 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 um, and it can be done. You're, you're a great yeah. uh, case study that can be. True, true. And, and the difference to the start of my journey and the start of someone else coming in right now is the, like Steve said, the amount of information that's flowing. Uh, when I started, it, it was actually reading the books and uh, attending the few seminars that were around um, that actually taught wealth creation, property shares, that sort of thing. So I'm talking your higher end seminars. Uh, today, anyone can jump on onto YouTube, anyone can jump onto the myriads of podcasts out there, educate themselves because the information is readily available. Uh, and, and that's a... That's a um, a good thing as well as a bad thing uh, because there are too many options that are dressed up. So the, the options are really just, just a few baseline options, but they're dressed up differently. Uh, people don't know which way to tap, which is where good advisors come into play uh, in terms of people that have been around for many cycles, many property cycles, have, uh, are actually on the journey themselves or have been on the journey themselves. They're the best people to latch on to to, to help you starting out or even adding to your portfolio uh, as, as you navigate the markets as they unfold. The initial stages, it was like you, you pointed yourself in a direction you just bought uh, and it was pretty much more, when I started, it was more like a stab in the dark sort of thing because data, uh, information and the uh, clan environment in terms of you know, all the property investors thinking, thinking unilaterally was not available at the time. It's a good point, Vic, and, um, you know, we were chatting about it before we come on air, this sort of proliferation of, of buyers, agents, and property strategies out there. It's, it's one of the probably the fastest-growing industries in Australia right now. I think one in 10 Australian workers are somehow connected with the property economy. But to your point, um, you know, if you're embarking and you're down the pathway of creating wealth with property, you need to be surrounding yourself with the right people uh, to support mm. you on that. You can do it all yourself, great, and and there is a lot of information out there, but you still need to make sense of it all, you know, really good account, really good mortgage broker, and I would say really good property strategy or buyer's agent. So you've got to choose your partners carefully. You guys have been around for I don't want to age you guys now, but you've probably seen good sort of two or three market cycles, probably more in some oh. areas, um, um, yeah. and, and experience absolutely counts. It does. Be careful of what you 
get or ask for? Is it opinion or advice? Mm. And often, I can often, give you plenty of opinions, but I'm not going to give you any advice. <laughs> and you do. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't ask for it, but you give it. You give it. <laughs> no, but look, as Vic said, there's a mountain of education out there, and you know, there's a gazillion strategies. You've just got to find that one that suits your risk profile and lets you sleep at night, as we've often talked about before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, COVID, COVID has reshaped some strategies without doubt, you know, mm-hmm. all the way down to areas, as you mentioned earlier on. But the important thing is, as we've mentioned before, you know, data, 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 for sure, like oxygen, we need it. The trend beforehand, which translates into data or the sustainable trend that translates into data, is probably more so important, especially when we have a world in flux as we do at the moment Mm. where trends have been completely reshaped and now it's trying to decipher, well, is that a short-term trend because I moved to, you know, Burke, nothing against Burke, I actually love Burke, but is it sustainable versus, you know, Geelong, the surf coast, central coast, you know, wherever, you know, Byron, whatever it may be, yeah, is it sustainable? Because if you're approaching it with the view that it's not sustainable, then what you're really saying is you're after a quick buck. And if you're after a quick buck, even if you're not a speculator, you're investing, you're not an investor. Mm. There's a big difference between the two. Yeah. And Vic, I know you guys are flat stick at the moment. Um, are you you taking on new clients? Is that or are you guys parked until you just come out of this Christmas period? But we, we are selective on who we take on. And we have a process to actually make sure that we, we are able to educate our clients and uh, set up the right expectations and, and be able to work with them. So when someone does make an inquiry, uh, the first port of call is to actually sit down with our client manager, uh, Melissa. Uh, she's got a heap of experience and, and she uh, basically um, sets up the expectation for the journey before uh, organizing a time for the prospective client to sit down with either myself or Steve. Mm. Uh, and, and we are very quick to turn around and say, actually, I think you should sit this one out. Uh, or I think you need to wait two years, or I think you need to really bring this to the forefront and accelerate because of, of the changes that are due to happen in your work work life or your family life. Yeah. Um, so there is a process uh, in, in place. Uh, we certainly are, are very pedantic about getting it right because, you know, there is a personal satisfaction for myself and for Steve to get it right for our clients. Yeah. I'm watching um, uh, SAS Australia at the moment. I don't know if you guys are watching this. And um, uh, just what you just were chatting got me thinking about that. And to go on to that show, there's a baseline expectation that you are physically fit. You know, you shouldn't be going on there if you're if you're not physically fit. So they obviously do tests and stuff. But to put that in the same context of, of property investing, and I would imagine getting the, the best outcome uh, working with you guys would be, Make sure your knowledge is completely up to date before you even start engaging and having conversations about what next. And I would say as a baseline expectation would be that a prospective client has listened to every single one of these podcasts because if you've done that, we you can have failed. a much more informed conversation, <laughs> right? Yeah, look, but you know, some people are just after some guidance too because they're at the very initial stages and, and mm. it's what they want to to tackle, but they don't even know what the first step is. And you know, yeah, that's that's part of our role is to steer them in that direction. And it might be, I can think of you know, a lot of clients where we've said, look, you're not quite there yet. You yeah. know, here are some goals for you, some short-term goals, you know, whether it be around finance, job, income, savings, whatever it may be, before you can actually take that major first step yeah. of which you then should be laser focused. But here's a mini goal. And they've come back to their 
their credit in 12 or 18 months, two years' time. That's good. And they say, I am ready to roll. I've hit those goals. Are we still good? And then we start again. So we give, it's not about, oh, what you don't, you can't do it right now. Yeah. See you later. That's not what we are. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I remember when I was a green property investor and uh, uh, you didn't tell me to go away, Steve. So. No, I tried to, but you were one of the you few. Yeah. <laughs> no, you were never, you were never green, and you bought McDonald's. <laughs> it's good. Anyway, Victor, what, what do people need to do? If they do want to reach out to you guys. Best way. So the best way is to just go onto our social media or our website, and um, there's a contact us form, and they can uh, simply contact us, and then uh, Melissa will organise a time to have a quick chat uh, with you, uh, and and uh, then set up a time um, to to sit down with either myself or Steve. Very cool. So today we're talking about emerging from COVID, changing security environments, Chinese property conglomerates going to the wall and the developers. Um, uh, the great uh, story that is Australian, that is our migrant stories, uh, creating new lives here uh, through wealth and property. So far reaching, but uh, I do enjoy the discussion, guys, once a month. And hopefully next month we can get back to back in person, pump a couple of free coffees in here, Victor. That'll be good. Nice one. Thanks for your time today. Uh, Really enjoyed that, guys. Uh, Remember, there is literally, if you want to binge on property podcasts, just uh, there's a whole bunch more of uh, Investing Insights for Right Property Group. And as we come up to the Christmas season, we're not far off now sort of doing the planning for next year type discussions. Uh, You know, we can recheck and you know, uh, design your decade uh, 2.0. We can get into all that. So we're, we're working up exactly how we're going to be approaching the next uh, series of, of podcasts uh, as we enter uh, 2022. Any any ideas or any questions? Uh, we'd love your feedback. Questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au is where you need to go and uh, help um, help us frame what we're going to be chatting about. Um, that's the email you need to go to. We'll see you again next time. Till then, bye-bye. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you.